You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. The building is on fire. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. It's so good to be back with you all today. I'm sorry for the uh, late episode, but I am not going to work today. We've got some medical things to tend to and whatnot, but, uh, you know, you're getting it. Today we are, in fact, which I know is rare to say I'm going to do something and do it, uh, we're going to continue on, and I want to look this time at Aaron Rodgers, possibly continue on, depending on how long it takes, but let's just plan on talking strictly about Aaron Rodgers and asking the same question we did about Mr. Devante. Is Aaron Rodgers, or will Aaron Rodgers be, by the end of 2020, a top 10 quarterback? Part of the reason I don't want to spend a lot of time on this is because just asking the question is going to infuriate a lot of people. At least 90% of Packer fans think it's a slam dunk that he is a top five quarterback in the NFL right now. But like Devontae, what I want to do is just take us through all the different stats and grades and metrics and whatever and just kind of leave it out there. We're going to start there just because we need to see the full spectrum because a lot of, we don't, we don't do, I don't do this. I do a daily podcast. I don't even look at every single stat and just go, hey, where did Aaron Rodgers rank in every stat that I can find? Because a lot of times when you do that, it's humbling. Because when you get on Packers Twitter and Packers Facebook and you get in your own Packers brain and everything's Packers, 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 we overinflate everybody. And then you hear all these things and it's just, it's humbling is the only word I can say. What, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you mean? I thought he was probably, ugh. I mean, in other words, if I were to do polls before every single one of these, like, where do you think Aaron Rodgers ranked in this? Almost every stat Rodgers would be, unless it's something we think that he's really bad at, and then we just drop it way too low. Because it's just, the emotional mood swings of fandom are just like that. If, if, if they're good, they're really good, and if it's a problem, it's the worst problem anyone's ever seen. Being a fan of a football team is basically like being Donald Trump. Everything is either the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever. You've never seen anything like it. It is the greatest quarterback. It is the greatest throw. He has the greatest throws ever. Aaron Rodgers choosing not to throw to checkdowns is the greatest problem anyone has ever seen, ever. That's what it's like. So, again, it's just nice to to just go over it and see all the times Aaron Rodgers is like 14th. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not putrid. Certainly not the best in the world. Sometimes we just need to hear those 13, 14 it, it's It stings a little bit because you don't. nobody likes that. Average, ugh. No, either they're elite or they're terrible and we get rid of them. It's just, it, it's, I don't know what this thing is. But um, that's how we're going to start this off. As always, make sure you are in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Um, now that Dane County, Wisconsin, where I live, is requiring face masks, I thought, you know what I should do? I should go to Teespring and see, which is where I do the t-shirts, see if they're doing um, face masks yet. Sure enough, they're capitalizing on that. So I just made one, and I bought one for myself, which was about 90% of the goal of me doing that. However, I also threw that in the Facebook group. If you want to walk around in style with the, the face mask on, it is a sweet, sweet-looking Packernet podcast Facebook. I mean, it's 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 just the logo. It's I didn't do anything crazy. I just slapped it on there, and I was like, all right, let's see if I need to edit this. It looks the the background that it has the like the brushed metal look. 
even the on the bottom corner where it says overtime, I'm like, well, I got to get rid. No, I don't. It looks good, dude. I so I just left it as is and I bought it as is. But um, anyways, just go check it out. I think it looks good. Otherwise, Pack Daddy NFL is the YouTube channel. Um, it looks like maybe this Friday I'm going to be getting my stuff, which means possibly by this weekend the uh, videos are going to start going up. Also, make sure you check out Fan to Fan Network. That's uh, that's really getting going. Uh, again, it's mostly video creators, so it's a lot of YouTube and also Twitch. It's FTFN on Twitch, FanToFanNetwork.com, FanToFanNetwork on Twitter, whatever. Uh, I did get that article up. If you want to look at it, make sure you look at it on a desktop, though, because um, the the chart that I used isn't responsive, so you can't really see it on your phone. You can still read 90% of the article, but there's one one or two really big charts that get cut off. But I'm not super worried about it because, again, the, the site hasn't officially launched, and I'm not going to freak out about uh, perfecting an article that it took me way too long to do anyways before the site is even up and running yet. But anyways, let's take a break and uh, talk about Mr. Aaron Rogers. Y'all like my Spanish, don't you? Be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so let's just get a feel for uh, some of the general stats and uh, kind of who are the quarterbacks that led in these categories. So first of all, uh, I am using a filter, which is one of the nice things about Pro Football Focus. You can filter out people that, you know, didn't really play very much. Let's start with completion percentage. I like per- completion percentage, but a lot of it is scheme related. But again, you, when you listen to the top 10 or top 20 list, kind of gives you an idea of how good it is or how kind of trash it is. You know, sometimes it's, oh, that's a pretty good list, and then you hear a couple that is like, okay, that's that's not a good quarterback. But number one, not surprisingly, Drew Brees, followed by Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater, Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers, Russell Wilson. Where's Aaron Rodgers on this list? He's 21st, one spot behind Mitchell Trubisky. Completion percentage is a problem. And listen, this is a really... This isn't what I was talking about today, and I'm going to try to get off this point, but this is a really important thing. Completion percentage is an important metric in and of itself, but a lot of it, if you listen to these names, are pretty scheme-specific. Drew Brees gets the ball out of his hand really fast. Derek Carr gets the ball out of his hand really fast. Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, and some of these other guys just deserve a lot of respect, like Deshaun Watson. But Aaron Rodgers, as we know, 
completion percentage is not going to be very high by the virtue of the way that he plays. One of the stats that we'll probably get to, I don't know, but as far as the percentage of times that he throws the ball deep, he's I think he's like number four in the NFL. He throws the ball deep more than just about anybody. This is not, you know, and, and again, this is one of the things that gets me excited about the Green Bay Packers going all in on the Matt LaFleur scheme. Get the ball, get it out of your hand. If Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, but instead of a 63% completion percentage, it goes up to 70 or 68% completion percentage, what does that do? It could do a lot. Anyways, yards, uh, which is a category Aaron Rodgers has never really dominated in, but he actually did quite well this past year. In order, Jameis Winston, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, Phillip Rivers, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo. In terms of yards per attempt, because obviously some of these guys throw more than others, surprisingly, number one, Ryan Tannehill. Never would have thought that as a run-first kind of a, you know, get the ball out of your hand quick kind of offense. But Ryan Tannehill with nine yards per attempt, followed by Matt Stafford, Pat Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Jameis Winston, Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson, and Derek Carr. Aaron Rodgers was tied with Baker Mayfield for 17th on that list. Touchdowns, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, tied with Dak for uh, fourth, uh, fifth place, Jimmy Garoppolo, Deshaun Watson, Drew Brees, and Kirk Cousins. And then uh, finally, NFL passer rating, Drew Brees, Ryan Tannehill, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson. Now, not surprisingly, you're hearing a lot of the same names, and it's it's... It's another reason it's good to do this. When I just talk PFF grades and people keep hearing me say how well Ryan Tannehill did, everybody rolls their eyes because Ryan Tannehill's a joke. He's been in, in the top of just about every one of these categories. So there's definitely a common theme. Some of these guys like Aaron Rodgers are in some, out some. Pat Mahomes is surprisingly low. I mean, if you are if you try to make the case, and it's a separate case that I'm going to make today, if you try to make the case that Pat Mahomes is the number one quarterback in football, which I think most people would, you have a hard time doing it. Grade-wise, statistic-wise, the only thing you can fall back on is the whole, well, if you were watching tape, you would know, which I despise. And um, again, that's a different topic for a different day, but it would be interesting to look at because I am shocked at how Pat, how low Pat Mahomes is in just about every single category, with the exception of big plays. He, he's real big with big plays, and, and it makes you wonder what happens if you take away Tyreek Hill, who is a big play monster. Just, just throwing it out there, but very similar, right? Drew Brees... At or near the top of every one of these. Ryan Tannehill, top 10 in just about everything. Lamar, Pat, Wilson, Cousins, uh, Carr, surprisingly, in a bunch of these. Uh, Prescott, Watson, Rodgers. Guys, you'd never hear. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's in a bunch. Um, Wentz, who is a pretty decent quarterback. I don't think I said his name once. Mariota, Matt Ryan, not once. Case Keenum, Gardner Minshew, Drew Locke, Phillip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, right? Kyler Murray, big shock, as I said, maybe the worst quarterback in football last year. The guy that everybody thinks is some elite quarterback that's going to blow up. But anyways, those are more or less just kind of the basic statistics that you can pull up on just about any statistics website. You know, passing yards, touchdowns, uh, passer rating, whatever. One of the things that PFF also has is a thing called adjusted completion percentage, which is your incompletions, but we're going to remove the drops by the wide receivers, the throwaways, the batted passes, the spikes, and the hit-as-thrown plays. So if you're throwing it and you get smoked, it's, it's not... In other words, we're just trying to isolate bad throws. What percentage of the passes were good passes, basically? 
In order, Drew Brees, Derek Carr, Teddy Bridgewater, Kirk Cousins, uh, Devlin Hodges, who is the guy that came in um, for Ben Roethlisberger, Jimmy Garoppolo, Joe Flacco, Pat Mahomes, Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson. Where's Aaron Rodgers? He's 19th, tied with Case Keenum. 74.2% of his passes were on target. Um, for reference, Cousins, Bridgewater, Carr, and Breeze were in the 80s, uh, Drew Breeze being 83.2% of his passes being on target. If we look at deep passing, this is kind of where Aaron Rodgers at least starts to show up in terms of attempts. Aaron Rodgers actually led the NFL. Keep this in mind, Jameis Winston, the guy that everybody, all, all he does is sit back and launch the ball down the field, launch the ball, da, 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 that's all he does, that's all he does. Jameis Winston threw 99 deep passes, Aaron Rodgers threw 101. He's number one in the NFL. Now, he's third in terms of percentage because he threw more passes, apparently, than, than other people did. Matt Stafford was number one, 19.2% of his passes being deep passes, 15.9% for Aaron Rodgers, but he's still third. Again, we've talked about it a thousand times. Just for those of you that maybe didn't believe me and thought I was just spouting off nonsense, I'm not. I know what I'm talking about. Aaron Rodgers, lo- and I, we, we've attacked it from different angles, right? What's his number one route? What did I tell you? It's a go route. That's his, the, the number one most thrown route by Aaron Rodgers is a go route. That's the problem. Too obsessed with the big plays. There's nothing wrong with it. They are important. They're awesome. Great. I mean, it's a big part of what Pat Mahomes does. Big plays. Russell Wilson does great with big plays. Matt Stafford obviously has made a career out of it. But the point is it's not working. We don't have the personnel. Nothing is right. It also doesn't help that you have the most cautious quarterback in the NFL who also likes to throw the ball deep more than just about anybody. It's a bad combo. And I know he throws some some you know real tough passes. He's not overly cautious all the time, but this is the issue. But anyways, looking at NFL passer rating, in other words, how good were you on deep passes, Gardner Minshew, number one. Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, fifth, with a 113.5 NFL passer rating. Then Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Case Keenum, Ryan Tannehill. Now, again, remember, the one of the issues with NFL passer rating, this isn't just the a perfect metric. It, you know, If you have more touchdowns, that's going to be to your benefit. If you have less interceptions, that's going to be to your benefit. Well, Aaron Rodgers, 12 touchdowns, 2 interceptions. Those are pretty fantastic numbers. Lamar Jackson, by the way, same exact thing. Pat Mahomes, 15-3. and three. Russell Wilson, also 12-2. and two. Cousins, 10-1. and one. But deep ball is when Aaron Rodgers kind of pushes himself up into the upper echelon. Now, I know that seems conflicting. Wait a minute, you just said he has to stop, but, I, but he's really good. At, because you can't build a whole offense around just launching the ball down the field, especially when it really doesn't work that often. Let's Let's keep in mind, I don't think... I'm not sure incompletions really factor into this. So if you throw the ball 100 times deep and you connect on six of them for 140 yards and and four touchdowns, your passer rating is going to be phenomenal. But your offense was trash. It just, you didn't do, well, I I guess that is a lot of touchdowns, but you you get my point. There's a whole lot of nothing going on. And I'm not even saying we stop doing it. We we just, it needs to be more intelligent. You got to pick your spots. It can't just be, let's just sit back and launch it all the time. But anyways, let's now look at under pressure. We'll just skip to the end so we don't spend all day doing this. Um, NFL passer rating, win under pressure. Number one, Drew Brees, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, and Gardner Minshew. It is kind of funny. Nobody takes Gardner Minshew seriously, and I'm not saying he's 100% going to be the be-all, end-all in Jacksonville. But as far as young quarterbacks go or rookie quarterbacks go, the fact that you've got uh, 
Kyler Murray being crowned as the next great thing, and nobody ta- and people think Gardner Minshew's a joke because he has a mustache. Mm, not so sure about that, Chief. For the record, Aaron Rodgers was 13th with an NFL passer rating of 75.8 while under pressure. Um, while kept clean, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Stafford, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Teddy Bridgewater, Kirk Cousins, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Deshaun Watson. Aaron Rodgers was 15th in this metric. By the way, big shout-out to Teddy Bridgewater, who apparently is uh, kind of killing it. Kind of makes sense for why he got the contract that he got. Finally, for stats, um, play action. Number one, Ryan Tannehill, followed by Drew Brees, Gardner Minshew, Marcus Mariota, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Jameis Winston, Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, Teddy Bridgewater. Aaron Rodgers was 25th in play action passes. He had a passer rating of 97.2. But finally, if we if we take all of that information on top of everything else that PFF uh, aggregates to come up with who their best quarterbacks were, here are the here is the top 10 list. And I've got the grades from week one through the Super Bowl because it's an aggregated thing. It's not cumulative, so it's not uh, skewed to also look at the postseason. Russell Wilson they had as their number one overall quarterback, followed by Drew Brees, Ryan Tannehill, Pat Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. These are all the guys. Basically, it's the top five, and then there's everybody else. Those guys all had elite grades. Number six was Kirk Cousins. His grade was an 84.1. So the, the gap between Lamar Jackson and Kirk Cousins is massive. Basically, there is no gap between Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Ryan Tannehill, Pat Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. And then it drops from a 90.1 down to an 84.1. But Kirk Cousins is 6th, Aaron Rodgers is 7th, Matt Stafford is 8th, Deshaun Watson is 9th, Dak Prescott is 10th. So in the top 10, we got three NFC North quarterbacks all in there. Um, And it's actually laid out quite nicely. The top 5 are in the 90s, the 6 through 10 are in the 80s, and then you start seeing down into the 70s. So again, based on all that, and and you can take the information and and look at it however you want. I think this is most important, this doesn't matter, whatever, 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 right? I think a good quarterback is somebody that can handle himself under pressure. However you want to do that is fine. I tend to just lean on the grades because they make the most sense. It It is PFF looking at all the stats looking at all the advanced stats that we can't even see because ultimately watching film comes down to really good statistics. It really is just advanced, advanced stats. If your grades aren't a form of statistics, your grades are kind of useless, right? That's what the grades are based on. It's based on what you did in a play. And so again, it's it's a deeper thing than was he top 10? I think he was. But it's also going forward, what do you expect in 2020? So let's start at the top, Russell Wilson. What are the expectations for Russell Wilson? Listen, Russell Wilson is an incredible quarterback. There's no question about that. I have no reason to believe he's going to regress. In fact, the best two years of his career, arguably, have been the last two years of his career. I could honestly say it was the first two years with a, I can't even call it a doldrum, but he's kind of like, uh, younger Drew Brees in a way, where he's he's getting this, he's really getting into a rhythm at this point in his career. Now, do I expect him to be as elite as he was? I, I mean, going based on PFF grade, that was his highest grade ever. You got to expect a little bit of regression, but I'm going to say he stays, he's 100% going to stay in the top 10. I don't know that he stays all the way up there, but I'm, you know, I'm keeping him there. Right, because again, we're just trying to assert is Aaron Rodgers going to be in the top 10 in 2020? Possibly in the top five. We'll see what we come up with. But I'm, I'm going to make a list right now 
you can't see it because it's a podcast. If this was, this is going to be one of the benefits of YouTube, by the way, to be able to do this. But to kind of come up with what I think is a fair grade for each of these guys and kind of just see where Aaron Rodgers lands. So if I were to, you know, if, if somebody just said, I'm going to, you know, make a wager, what, what's his PFF grade going to be? I'm going to say he's about an 86, which if, you know, if you look at 2019, his overall grade of an 86 would make him the sixth highest graded quarterback in football, making him still a top 10 quarterback. Very similar situation with Drew Brees, except for the fact that Drew Brees has actually been playing at this level for about three years now. And in fact, even during this period when he wasn't, Drew Brees has got to be, it's weird to say, but one of the more underrated quarterbacks in football. His lowest graded season ever was 2008. He had an 81.9 overall grade, lowest graded ever. The last time he was in the lower portion of the 80s was in 2016. Since then, 89.3, 94 in 2018, and 90.6. The fact of the matter is they've done nothing but add talent. The, the, the uh, Saints have got their foot just solidly on the gas. Michael Thomas, I see no signs of slowing down. It's why, you know, if you were to ask me to put money down, who's going to end, you know, kind of similar to what we're doing now with the highest PFF grade, Again, it kind of depends on the Packers and, and whether they go fully into it, because I genuinely believe Devontae could be the highest graded wide receiver in football, but I think the safer bet is probably Michael Thomas. Julio's also a safer bet, but you're looking at a guy that's going to be turning 32 in like January, February, something like that. Michael Thomas is just safe, but part of Michael Thomas's success and part of the reason a lot of people don't care for him is because of Drew Brees, and that's, that's reasonable. This guy is just, I mean, just even if you go back further, 87, 89, 84, 84, 93, 87, 87, 81, 84, 83, it's just dominant. So same kind of thing. Of course, he's going to stay there. I'm just going to put him at 90 even. I'm just putting him flat out at 90. So he is currently number one. And from here is where it gets a little bit interesting because we come up on Ryan Tannehill. And obviously, Ryan Tannehill, whether you really like him or not, this is a massive fluke. Um... Part of it is, similar to some of the wide receivers, a lot of his success just came in a really tight window. If you look at how he started the season, 64, 79, 72, 73, 68, that's decent. Then from week 12 to week 17, especially 14 to 17, is when he just just blew up, just lost his mind as a football player. 91.2, and then he had 66.9, weird game against Indy. 94.5, 85 91.2, 82.9, just that real good stretch there. But then he gets into the playoffs, 45.5, 71.3, 56.3. So really, he had a really good stretch of football. And then when you extract that out over the course of his career, in which he's had grades such as 68, 80, 75, 68, 74, 45, and then 90, his one real good year outside of this past freakish year was an 80.4. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to him that he kind of found his rhythm, and this is a great system for him, and he can just be kind of a system quarterback and let Derrick Henry ride this thing out, lean on your tight ends, your running backs, et cetera, et cetera, and he's got a decent stable of wide receivers now. But I'm, 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 I'm dropping him significantly. I'll, I'll, I'll come kind of halfway with him. I'll give him like a 78, which is to say more than likely he's not going to be a top 10 quarterback. I could be entirely wrong. But I, I think, um, again, as great of a year as it was, and maybe this continues and he just kind of found his rhythm, um, I'm, I'm just going to give him a 78. 
After that, you've got Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Second year in a row, he's graded out as elite, 92.9 and then 90.2 this past year. Now, the interesting thing with Pat is that it's actually somewhat similar. Um, it's, it's almost surprising to see, and this is true of every football player. It's not perfect across the board, but he only graded out twice. Uh, had two games in which he graded out as elite. You could call it three. Two of the three obviously coming in the playoff. Not against San Francisco, which I guess isn't surprising because their defense is just ridiculously on point. But it, just for example, how he started out the season, 74, 81, 72, 69, 82, 40, 78, 78, 62, 70, 51, and then week 15 against Denver, 94. Just ripped their face off. 27 of 34, 79.4% completion percentage, 340 yards, 10 yards per attempt, two touchdowns and a pick. And then uh, 80.4 against Chicago, 74, 89.9 against Houston, 96.1 against Tennessee, and then 63.7 against San Francisco. And even if you compare that to his year in 2018, although 2018 also only had about two-ish, three-ish games in in the elite category, he was much more um, consistent in 2018 than he was 2019. He didn't really have very many bad games like he did in 2019, so... I don't want to be disrespectful and bring him out of the 90s just because he's done it two years in a row, and clearly he's extremely talented. So I'll, I'll, I will call him 90 even as well, same as Drew. Again, these these are rough numbers. It's just kind of generally, and the only reason I'm even doing that is to kind of visualize where Aaron Rodgers actually falls on this list. Because it's hard to look at it and say, well, he's, he's top five-ish. Top, I, I want to see it. I'm a visual person, and I know, again, that's hard on a podcast, but I'm you know, whatever. So right now we have Drew Brees and Pat Mahomes at 90, then Russell Wilson at 86, Ryan Tannehill at 78 overall grades. Again, the grades don't really matter. It's just, just, just think of them as numbers, as, as, as Madden grades. I don't care what you want to think of them as. After that, we get another really interesting one with Lamar Jackson. Um, Lamar is really tough because on one hand, unbelievably talented. He had a, he had a game against Cincinnati. And I understand it's Cincinnati, but I, I very rarely have ever seen a game like a grade like this. I think I actually saw a 99 um, for Aaron Donald once. He had a 97.9, talking about Lamar Jackson against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's about as high of a grade as I've ever seen. It might be the highest grade for a quarterback I've ever seen ever. Now, the interesting part about this, although his passing grade was incredible, he only threw the ball 17 times, but 15 of those were completed. For 223 yards, 13.1 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. He had a 158.3 passer rating in that game. the The biggest issue with Lamar, though, is you, you just don't know. I mean, some. I mean, look, I mean, look at Baker. Granted, Baker wasn't as good as Lamar, but he had his his one really good year. There's a lot of talk about man, the Cleveland Browns really got a guy now. Da 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 da. And then what? Nothing. Right, RG3, great first year. And I know it's technically his second year, but if you want to really take a look at Lamar's first year, he had a 56.1 overall grade. It was terrible. I've said several times that that playoff game with Lamar Jackson where Baltimore got eliminated from the playoffs was the worst game I've ever seen a quarterback play in my life. I think that was the only time in my life I've ever seen. I think at halftime he had negative passing yards. It was it was terrible. And and listen, there are some bad games here. He had a, against Kansas City 35.6, against Pittsburgh 55.8, against San Francisco 57.7. So I just I don't know exactly where to put him. I'm not going to give him a 90 just because it, there's always that concern that a guy like this gets figured out. Um, granted, there's only so much you can figure out, but if if you can remove the mobility issue, what am I trying to say? Take the mobility away. 
Try to force him to stay in the pocket and throw. Things can change pretty rapidly. So I'll give him enough respect. I'm just going to give him an 82 because I just, I don't know. An 82 is a great grade, but I don't know for sure what Lamar is going to bring. Next up is our buddy Kirk Cousins. Obviously, Cousins had a great grade. It pains me every time I talk about quarterbacks, because especially when I talk about grades and whatnot, or even stats, because Cousins is higher than Rodgers in just about every single category. But the very obvious issue with this, um, well, I guess it's kind of twofold. First of all, let me just run through his grade, his grades in his career. 80, 51, 58, 70, 80, 70, 79, 84. Now, he's had for the first time ever, two good years in a row, and it just so happens to be the two years that he's been in Minnesota. The other thing working in his favor is that both of them were relatively close, 79 and 84, are pretty close grade. However, he is losing Stephon Diggs, and that that's a really big shakeup because it also changes a lot of the, the, the makeup of this offense because you've got Gary Kubiak, who is the offensive coordinator, essentially. I don't know his official title. I think he might have been moved into that role. Whatever. Gary Kubiak is... A Shanahan guy. He's he's the he's from that tree, right? He's the Shanahan. It's the outside stretch play, the the outside zone. It's the get the ball out of your hand quickly. Kirk Cousins though is kind of like Aaron Rodgers. He liked to hold on to the ball. He held on to the ball longer than just about anybody in football. He might have held it on longer than anybody. I don't remember. And so Kirk Cousins really liked to lean on Stephon Diggs, who is the deep threat. It was a good pairing. You got Kubiak, who just wants to run the ball and dump the ball off to these tight ends and do all this stuff. So. Now that Stephon Diggs is gone and they drafted a guy who is basically Devontae Adams, not saying he's as good, but it's the same thing, just elite off the ball, not much down the field, they have to transform this offense. Now maybe that plays into Kirk Cousins' hand, but it it just changes everything. Um, But again, I'm I'm going to give him at least enough respect, even if you go back four years, 80, 70, 79, 84, it's really just one year kind of a blip. So I, I think it's fair to give him just a flat-out 80 overall grade. Um, uh, again, if you just look at 2016, 18, and 19 when he was in the 80s, there's always that chance he drops into the 70s, but he hasn't done that as a Viking. Um, two of those years are rated about 80, and then this past year, which was a really good year, was an 84. So I'm just going to give him an 80 flat. Um, again, really just out there is in terms of the possibilities because I really think, similar to the Packers, they have an offensive shift that they really want to take place, and part of that shift is getting Kirk Cousins to get the ball out of his hand quickly. That might make him better. It might make him worse. I don't know, but I'm just going to just, I'm just giving him an 80. I don't know. So our rankings right now, Drew Brees, Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill. That is our list. I'm going to skip Aaron Rodgers because we want to save that for last because that's no fun. And I want to look at Matt Stafford, who is uh, right behind our guy. Uh, Matt Stafford obviously had a very condensed year. Uh, He had a grade of 82.6, which is a really high grade. However, most of the games, he's very, very consistent in the 70s, but he had one really good game against a garbage team, the New York Giants, which massively inflated his grade. He had an 86 overall grade in that game. If you remove that game... His grades are 63, 71, 78, 74, 70, 72, 74. If you look at his career grades, 77, 78, 81, 65, 68, 80, 73, 76, he's a 70s guy. So I'll give him enough respect to say he's a high 70s guy. I'm just giving him a 77. It actually makes me feel a little bit dirty. I'm just going to give him a 78 because I gave Tannehill a 78, and I don't want to be too disrespectful to Matt Stafford. Maybe I should just bump Tannehill down to a 77. I think I'm going to do that. Tannehill's now a 77. So Tannehill and Stafford are tied. So right now, 
Breeze, Mahomes, Wilson, Jackson, Cousins, Tannehill, Stafford is where we're at. Now we get to Mr. Deshaun Watson, 24 years old, young stud. Um, kind of similar to Pat Mahomes. He had two really good years these past two years, and that was basically the two years in which he had the, the helm. However, not quite at the same level. And, it, you know, all the excuses in the world doesn't have the same offensive line, doesn't have the same weapons, doesn't have the same head coach, doesn't have the same level of tight end play. Doesn't even have the same level of running backs than Pat Mahomes has. Fine. That's a fine argument. Here's my question, though. What's changed? He still has a terrible offensive line. They gave away his number one wide receiver. What's changed? They haven't fixed anything in Houston. And so, very simply, he had an 80 overall grade, or let's call it an 81. This past year, he had an 82. I'm going to say he has some continued growth. If you look at his stats, even 4,400 yards became 4,500 yards. 27 touchdowns became 29 touchdowns. 7.9 yards per attempt became 8 yards per attempt. So I'm going to say he gets bumped up. I'm just going to give him an 83. So that's actually going to put him one spot ahead of Lamar Jackson, putting him fourth overall. I hope you guys... I'm, I'm having a lot of fun doing this. I, I got to do this on YouTube when I get my kid. This is... I, I don't know if this is fun to listen to on a podcast, but this is a lot of fun to do. My top 10 list. And I'm, we're, we're probably going to have to do more than 10 because some of these guys are outside and I want to see if they go inside the top 10. Some of these guys are going to fall outside, whatever. But just doing a top 10 list is a lot of fun. Now we get to Mr. Dacky Prescott. Dak Prescott, one of the most, not controversial in a way that he does anything crazy or whatever, but in terms of some people think he is an elite quarterback. Some guys think he's trash. Some people are right in between. As somebody who leans heavily on PFF, I don't, I don't necessarily care for him quite as much as a lot of people do. If you look at career grades, obviously his first year, 83.7, that's what won him the job, right? He just, he tore it up, did a great job, all that. 83.7 was his overall grade. The next two years, 72.2, 74.8. This year, a big bounce back, 80.1. But again, even looking at his his uh, game-to-game type thing, a lot of really elite games, and then a lot of just bad game. Really inconsistent football player. Um, and then you look at the games in which he did a really good job. First of all, he beats up on the division. He does really well in the division. Here are his good games. New York Giants, garbage team in the division. He had a 92.6 in week one. Washington Redskins, garbage team, week two, um, 83.4, and it's in the division. He had an 81.5 against Philadelphia. Not necessarily a garbage team, but they do have terrible coverage, uh, corners and whatnot, also in the division. Those are the only games. He had three over 80. Now, if you especially look toward the end of the season, he ended the season with 58, 57, 60, 65. Terrible. So I'm not going to give him necessarily the respect of putting him in the 80s. I'll kind of balance this out. I'm going to put him at about a 75. A lot of people probably won't like that, but I don't I don't care. I, I just think, look, there's a lot of talent there, and I think a lot of the talent kind of um, inflates Dak. I think Dak's a good fit for what they have, good offensive line, good run game. He's got enough mobility and, and a good enough arm to kind of just be an extra threat. On top of all the other little pieces they have in Dallas, he's this extra nice little threat that they have. You know, I mean, he's a big dude, 6'2", 240 pounds, you know, with Zeke, and again, the offensive line, and it works, but it's not like he's the one carrying this team. So I, I, I don't, if I didn't say it or not, 75 is what I'm putting him at. Now, I know a lot of people are going to think, well, that's ridiculous because they just drafted C.D. Lamb, so this offense is about to explode. Maybe, but but if PFF does their job right, it shouldn't impact all that much, right? Because you're, you're only doing what you're doing. You're either doing a good job or a bad job. And if your wide receivers are good or bad, that shouldn't impact that much, maybe a little bit. 
right? It's easier to throw to a wide open guy, so you just throw a pinpoint pass. And if your guys are always wide open, you're probably throwing better passes. You're probably getting better grade. But for the most part, you're either good or you're bad. And, and if again, if you're doing a good enough job, the grade should reflect how good of a player you are, independent of the variables around you, right? That's why they even have under pressure stats and not pressure stats because they, they're different. If you're under pressure all the time, you shouldn't have as negative of a grade as somebody who has the exact same stats who's never under pressure. And I, I know that PFF does a good job of making sure that those would be different grades. So I'm not too worried about it. Maybe I should bump him up a little bit, but I'm not going to. I'm putting him at 75, which actually puts him behind Stafford and Tannehill. I'm picking three more guys outside of Aaron Rodgers because I'm trying to pick guys that I think have a chance of being top 10 and pushing them out. Uh, those guys are Derek Carr, Tom Brady, and Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll start with Jimmy G. Jim, the problem with Jimmy G is that he's all over the map. His career grades, 53, 66, 73, 86, 62, and 77. Now, he's also been injured a lot. This is, I mean, legitimately, this is really the only year he's played a full year. Uh, he played 504, or 589 dropbacks. The second highest he had was 190. But to be completely, I think he's just, he's a 70s guy. He had a 77.5 this past year. I think that's just kind of what he is. You know, that, that one outlier year of an 86.6 in 2017, he only had 190, that was his 190 year, 178 passes, 120 uh, completions. I'll give him a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt because of the system that he's in and whatnot. I think it suits him. I'm going to put him between his 2016 year and his 2019 year. 2016 was his, uh, his last year with New England. He had a 73.8 this year with San Francisco, which is about as good of a situation as you can get, 77.5. Again, I'll sandwich him in between. I'll give him like a 76. So right now as it stands, you got Breeze, Mahomes, Wilson, Watson, Jackson, Cousins, Tannehill, Stafford, Jimmy G, Dak Prescott. That's my official top 10. We got three more quarterbacks to throw in here. The final one being uh, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. I want to also skip Tom Brady just because that's going to be another tricky one. Um, Derek Carr, I think, is fairly underrated, um, maybe overrated by some people because he's, he's not an elite quarterback. However, very consistent, and a lot of people just see him as a throwaway guy, but compared to some of these other guys, I mean, I don't know that he's worse than Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think he is. His career grades have been, uh, you know, 50 was his first year, which is a throwaway. But since then, 76, 85, 68, 73, 79. So somewhere between low 70s and low 80s. He's been pretty consistent in that range. I also think that he has not had necessarily the best, really anything. I mean, he had Amari, uh, and, and, and he and Amari kind of lit it up when he was there especially in 2016, man, that was, that was kind of a heck of a thing, but they're building and they're, they're really starting to do something. And I think they've got a really good system. Derek Carr is another guy that gets the ball out of his hand really quick. They lean on the run. He's got a really good running back tight end. I think if anything, it's going to go up, but just based on 70, the, you know, the 79.90 at this last year, I'm going to drop him a little bit just because, you know, if you were to average it out, it's probably a little lower, but I'm not going to drop it much. I'm just going to put him at a 78. I think he's going to have a decent enough year. I think he's going to clip along. I mean, and again, the consistency of it. He doesn't really have bad years. He doesn't really have very many bad games. He had two games all year below a 60, 60 being average. Week two against Kansas City, week 13 against Kansas City. Played Kansas City twice, and those are his only two bad games. So that's actually going to bump up. This is, this is a perfect top 10 list to go viral on Twitter because a lot of people are going to hate this. The top five, not too much, you know, Breeze, Mahomes, Wilson, Watson, Jackson. 
But then you got Kirk Cousins six, Derek Carr seventh, Ryan Tannehill eighth, Matt Stafford ninth, Jimmy Graham, uh, excuse me, Garoppolo. I just Jimmy G always throws me off. Ten and Dak Prescott falls out of it. Oh, oh, and those Cowboys fans—they're gonna lose it, absolutely lose it. All right, second from the last, we've got Tom Brady, and this one's gonna be nearly impossible. If you look at It's somewhat arbitrary, but if you look at starting at 2010, his grades, 85, 88, 90, 79, 85, 91, 94, 94, 90. The guy had five years in a row of being an elite quarterback, but he had his first kind of fall off, which is a 79. Now you look at it, it's not a big deal. He went down to 79 in 2013. It didn't really slow him down. He just kept on clipping along, and he was great before that. He really kind of hit his stride in 2009 with a 74. Then he goes really, really well. Then he drops to a 79, which isn't bad. Then he does really, really well. He drops to a 79. So if you're just going cyclically, cyclically, he's he's in line for another bounce back. Here's the thing, man. He's 43 years old. He is 43. I know he's got some lame diet, all this nonsense. The man is 43 years old. Here's the other thing. Here are his grades for the season. Starting in week one, 84, 88, 83. He started the season just phenomenally. After that, 44, 77, 69, 69, 75, 76, 58, 71, 70, 65, 66, 79, 40, 54. Those last two games, he was just toasted. Absolutely toast. He just, there's nothing great about his entire season. He didn't do any. And look, there's no weapons there anymore. He doesn't have Gronk anymore. They didn't really have any wide receivers there. But also understand, this is a, this is a system that he does really well in. He is very proficient in understanding he's, he's a mental, very cerebral quarterback. You look at what they're saying about Cam Newton over in New England right now, talking about, you know, this is calculus. It is such a cerebral system, and, and Tom Brady was a professor. He was the highest level. He knew that thing inside and out, and his ability to execute within that is what made him so good for so long, even at the age of 42 years old. Now he's going to go to Tampa Bay. With a brand new coach, who is also kind of new there, trying to get his own little thing going there. Doesn't have anywhere near as good of a defense as he had in New England. Meaning, it's going to be on him to really try to get some comebacks, which is not something... I mean, he he does comebacks, but it's usually we're down by six. Can he do one final drive to get down there? And he can, with his little dink and dunk stuff, because of this whole little system. This is a different deal. This is, we're down by, you know, 13... And we got a bunch of guys that are big play guys. We need you to launch it down the field. And also your offensive line probably isn't quite as good. Maybe it is. I don't know. Depends on Tristan Wirfs and some of these other guys. I don't know. And look, maybe it'll blow up. Maybe you get Tom Brady with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski's back and O.J. Howard maybe just needs that, that, you know, a Brady type of guy. Maybe this thing's just really going to blow up. It's entirely possible, and I don't want to be entirely too disrespectful, but everything I know about Tom Brady, there's nothing to go on here. He doesn't have Bill Belichick. He doesn't have his offensive system anymore. He doesn't have any, and he's 43 years old. So just being respectful, I'm not going to drop him below a 79, but I'm not going to put him above a 79. I'm just giving him 79. That's what he got last year in New England. I'm just going to keep him at that. And and in all honesty, it's probably either going to be a really good one or a really bad one. Either it's going to go really, really well and he gets a 94 overall grade, or it's a really bad year and he ends up with like a, you know, 60. But I'm just going to play it safe and call it a 79 because he hasn't dipped below that since 2009. So, I'll you know, I'll give him that. But I'm absolutely not going to do what everybody else does and just assume he's going to be a top five quarterback 
because he's Tom Brady and he's got better weapons now. It's like we all just forgot how important Bill Belichick in this system and 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 it's it's Tom Brady's input as well. It's these two have have formed this thing that just is it's it's a thing of beauty. It really is and it's gone now. It's just gone and now it's up to him to learn a new system from a guy that's not as good of a coach. He had a great run in Arizona and all that, but it's just it's just it's just different. And I have no idea what's going to happen, but I'm not just going to grant him everything he had in New England because he's not in New England. Anyways, that finally brings us to our uh, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Again, to recap, Drew Brees and Pat Mahomes are in the 90s. Russell Wilson is in the high 80s. He has an 86. Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, low 80s. Tom Brady is at number 7 at 79. Derek Carr is at 78. Ryan Tannehill and Matt Stafford are at 77, making them uh, 9th and 10th. Jimmy Garoppolo and Dak Prescott have fallen out. Uh, Jimmy G at 11, Dak Prescott at 12. Finally, we've got Mr. Aaron Rogers. And, I mean, listen, even if you want to be disrespectful, which isn't the way I've been doing things, I think I've been entirely fair. I think I've been probably overly respectful for some of these guys. Let's just do what we've done with a lot of these guys and look at the body of work. And let's go back to, oh, I don't know, 2008. 79, 86, 91, 93, 89, we'll call it 90, uh, 85, uh, 93, 75, 91, 79, 89, 83. Let's also omit 2017, which was one of the 79 because he was injured that year. And we know 2015 was a down year. That was 75. 2019, um, even 2018 was considered an abysmal year. He almost had a 90 overall grade. It was an 89. So on, on, the, on these last two years in which there's been a lot of questions of what in the world is going on, his grades have been an 89 and an 83, 84-ish with a 91, 93, 85, 90, 93, 91, all mixed into there. So even if we want to say, okay, listen, he's not he's not the same guy he was from 2010 to 2012 when he had his 91, 93, 90 stretch, or, or even until 2014 when he had his best grade ever, 93.4. He's not exactly that same guy, even though 2016 he had a 91, and 2018 he had an 89. But he, okay, so we're not going to give him a 90. Fine. What I'm not also going to do, I cannot put him lower than an 83.6. I can't. That's what he had this past year, and there's no reason to believe it got worse. We added Devin Funches for whatever that's worth. We've got Sternberger going into his second year. We've added DeGuara. We've added A.J. Dillon. We still have Aaron Jones. What, what, what got worse? We did lose Brian Balaga, but we added an, an offensive tackle. That's only about a quarter of a step back. So the floor is 83.6. And again, if we omit the year in which he was hurt, and let's even go back to 2015 when the the problems started, 75, 91, 89, 83. And again, 2015 was a, just an absolute anomaly of a, of a year, so you can almost omit that. Since then, and again, this is these are the trouble years, 91, 89, 84. I honestly think like an 86 is fair. I do, especially if the offense does what it's supposed to do. His ca- his completion percentage is going to go through the roof. Um, I think the, 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 the drives are going to stall out much less. I think he's going to have chemistry with Devontae like you've never seen. Again, I, I genuinely believe Devontae is right now today a safe bet, a top three wide receiver in the NFL, safe bet. I think it's going to be hard to crack the, the top two because Julio and uh, Michael Thomas are – just they've, they've got it locked down. But again, all it takes is for this offense to kind of take hold. 
you add in the receiving of the running back, you add in DeGuara, you add in Sternberger, who is really just getting started. And I listen, you might think, well, well yeah, what is DeGuara going to Again, he spent five years in a very similar system. Jay Sternberger was brand spanking new. Jay Sternberger is just learning how to play tight end. DeGuara comes in much more experienced already than Jay Sternberger, although he doesn't know the playbook quite as well. Very similar offensive scheme. So, the, so you got DeGuara who comes in and he is pro-ready. You got Sternberger in his second year. You got Devin Funchett. You got Alan Lazard. You got Aaron Jones, who's a top-tier running back today. You got A.J. Dillon, who I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, every day I get more excited about A.J. Dillon. Every single day I do. I, 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 listen, I don't do this. You know I don't do this. I'm ready to project that he's going to be a very good running back in the NFL. I'm ready to project that if we decide to move on from Aaron Rodgers, that A.J. Dillon will make us forget about Aaron, from Aaron Jones, not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, A.J. Dillon, there's so many A's, is going to help us to move on from Aaron Jones very quickly. I, I just, I'm ready to, to, to just pencil that in. I'm not saying that about DeGuara. I like the chances of him being a, a role player, of being a good fit for this offensive system especially as a pairing with Sternberger, who's more of the Jimmy Graham role. He's out in the slot a lot more, uh, DeGuara. And and listen, anybody who tells you that he's a fullback, stop listening to them. He's an H-back, which is basically a tight end that kind of stands back and, and inside a little bit more. His his role is that of a of a tight end. I'm excited about all those things, but I'm, I'm not projecting anything about Sternberger, about Funches, about even Lazard. I like A.J. Dillon. I just, I just, it just makes too much sense. You look at how he had nowhere to run ever, except when he did, he just was a freight train. I mean, he's, he's like Eddie Lacy with more speed and, and much more contact balance. You know, Eddie Lacy, when you, he was like a weeble, you know, those weeble wobble, but they don't fall down. You touch him and his feet go flying. He's, he's always doing somersaults and flips and stuff. It was weird. It was like he was fill, filled with helium, like his feet barely touch the ground and you touch him and he just go flying. A.J. Dillon is just, he's light on his, oh, I'm just, I'm just excited. But even so, guess what? We got Aaron Jones this year, and we got Jamal, who's a great blocker and receiver. I just think that this is, it's, it has the potential to be similar to what you saw in Tennessee, where it, it's, or, or Dallas, where, or uh, San Francisco, where the individual pieces, granted guys like Kittle are, are extremely talented, but the, it's not about the individual pieces necessarily as it is this system that is just you don't know where to look. And the fact that Tennessee does not have an elite quarterback and uh, San Francisco does not have an elite quarterback, I think the ceiling for the offense looks a lot more, and I've said this before, like um, New Orleans, because New Orleans is a place where they do something kind of similar in terms of, at the very least, I mean, it's a different offensive system, but it's a similar concept insofar as get the ball out quickly, but they do it with an elite quarterback, and that's what happens. The thing just blows up wide open, and look what it's done for, um, as I said, this sort of resurgence in his career, which has never been a bad career, but he went from being you know, a, a, a consistent top 10, top 5 quarterback to being the best in football, two years running, and no signs of slop, stopping, slowing down. So again, going back to the grades, I, I think 86 is fair. And so that would put him tied with Russell Wilson. So my official tier is Drew Brees, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and those are ties. You know, maybe I'll try to figure out who I want above the other if I decide to do like one of those official deals, which I probably should. I should go out and make a little graphic 
and see if uh, see if I can gin up a bunch of hate. Uh, fifth would be Deshaun Watson. Sixth is Lamar Jackson. Seventh is Kirk Cousins. Eighth is Tom Brady. Ninth is Derek Carr. Tenth is Ryan Tannehill. Eleventh is Matt Stafford. Twelfth is Jimmy Garoppolo. Thirteenth is Dak Prescott. Even saying it somewhat makes you cringe, but again, I just did what I needed to do. I just looked at it. Right? Oh, I don't know about Kirk. Et Who are you going to put above him? You could put Tom just on an off chance that maybe he blows up, but you might as well put Tom above Rodgers then. I mean, if Tom Brady does what Tom Brady does in New England, except he's got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, G, uh, uh, Gronk, I mean, my goodness. And again, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm finding a happy middle. And so that's it. Um, the question of, is Aaron Rodgers a top 10 quarterback? Yes. Now, again... The question of was he a top five quarterback in 2019, you know, is a different question than will he be going forward. And the reason it's so hard to be number one or top five or even top ten a lot of the times is you get these one-hit wonders. You get guys that jump in and they're, they've never been in before. You're always going to have several guys that are in all the time. I mean, you know, guys that are in all the time, there's going to be one or two or three guys that have great years. But if you're talking about putting your money down going forward, and you look at Aaron Rodgers and say, would you put him above Kirk Cousins? No. You had Aaron Rodgers on a down year, and you had Kirk Cousins on a high year. That's the only reason Kirk Cousins was one spot above Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying it's impossible. Of course, If you're a Vikings fan and you think Kirk Cousins is going to have a better year than Aaron Rodgers, I don't care. Good. I don't, I don't necessarily know how you get there, other than just assuming everything's going to stay the same. Even so, they're, they're basically tied, so it would have to stay exactly, exactly the same. And ignore the fact that Lafleur is going into his, you know, second year with Rodgers. Rodgers' second year in this system, and all, just ignore all that stuff. The fact that Stephon Diggs is gone, his number one. Just again, erase all that from your mind. Yeah, you can say whatever you want, but that's where I've got it. I have Aaron Rodgers, yes, as a top ten guy. I have Aaron Rodgers, yes, as a top uh, five guy. Yes, I have Aaron Rodgers as a top three guy. Would I be stunned if he falls outside of the top five? No, of course not, because again, you got a bunch of guys that are just going to slide in. You might have Jimmy Garoppolo go off. You might have Dak Prescott with with a brand new head coach, with uh, this stacked wide receiver group, and and Ezekiel behind him, and the still talented off. He might just have, you know, a a year to to just put all years to shame. I I don't know. But again, safe money is looking at the full body of work, and a lot of these guys don't have a big enough or consistent enough body of work to say, I, I think they're going to be able to to maintain that. So there you go. And I'll try to, I, you know what, let's let's just do it now. Pat Mahomes or Drew Brees. And I think I'm going to make the tiebreakers the off seasons. So the Saints, they lost Ted Ginn. They added Emmanuel Sanders, which is just a ridiculously amazing addition. They also added Ty Montgomery to the backfield, which obviously they know how to use guys like that with their quarterback and whatnot. They seem to be able to do those kinds of things. Um, in the draft, they added Cesar Ruiz in, as a center, uh, tight end Adam Troutman. The Chiefs, on the other hand, they added Clyde Edwards-Elaire, LSU running back. That should be a really solid um, offensive addition. Added Lucas Nyang uh, in the third round a tackle. I'm not sure they really lost anybody that's a massive loss. I mean, Spencer Ware, but they added a guy that's probably significantly better than that. LaShawn McCoy, exact same situation. They also added some guys, but I don't know if any of these guys really matter that much either. I think i got to give it to the Saints. Really, the only difference with the Chiefs is they drafted a running back in the first round. I think the Saints upgrading their offensive line and bringing in Emmanuel Sanders. I'm, I'm going to bump up. I'm bumping up Breeze to a 90.1. 
I don't really care about Tannehill and Stafford, so we'll just do the tiebreaker between Rodgers and Wilson. The Seattle Seahawks, they added a guard in the third round. Colby Parkinson, a tight end in the fourth round. DJ Dallas, running back in the fourth round. Did lose some offensive pieces. I don't see that they really added anybody. The Packers didn't really either, but A.J. Dillon, Devin Funches, Josiah, De- I'm just giving it to Rodgers. Why not? So Rodgers is an 86.1. So the official official list it doesn't actually change. Breeze, Mahomes, Rodgers, Wilson, Watson, Jackson, Cousins, Brady, Carr, Tannehill is my top 10. Anyways, um, I'm going to leave it at that. going to get going. Uh, the plan will be to do something very similar tomorrow. Obviously, this was a different format than it was for wide receiver, but I, I, I enjoyed doing it. I don't know. I, I like making an official top 10 list. This is going to seem like a very much a homer list. But again, this is the kind of list that uh, that blows up because everyone gets mad at you. But hey, I got to speak out my thought process to you. Feel free to give your own opinions and uh, make your own top 10 list, whatever you I don't care what you do with your life. But with my life, I got to get going. So you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.